Amazing how there was nothing millions and billions and billions of years ago. And then out of nowhere, these cosmic gases collided in this grand explosion that created the cosmos. And everything just started to order itself and, and all by itself just started to, to get more complex and more amazing. And what we have today is the result of complete accident. Isn't that amazing? What, nobody buys that? Yeah, I wouldn't either. I'm too hot here. You know, <laughs> that's funny. You don't have to turn me down. I'm way too, too loud. So, <laughs> you never heard your preacher say I'm too hot, have you? Um, I noticed nobody laughed. <laughs> turn your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm chapter 19. We have been in a series on understanding, uh, or, or not understanding, but, but having a rock-solid faith and being able to say, I know that I know that I know that there is a God and that He's a creator and that He's a, a God that I can trust. And so we've talked about uh, different aspects of this. We've talked about the, the problem of evil. You know, why, if there really is a good God, how come there's suffering and how come, how come bad things happen? We talked about how the person of Jesus was the fulfillment of um, all that, that God had been speaking of throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. We talked about the work of Christ. We talked about the seven I am's of Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd, right? I'm the resurrection and the light. We talked about um, how, how we, can, we can have a rock-solid faith that God doesn't want us just to to meander, but that rock-solid faith at some point is built on faith, but not ignorant faith. Faith with open eyes. Today I want to declare to you, what the Scripture declares to you, that we have a beginning point when it comes to rock-solid belief. And that beginning point is in nature itself. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, and night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The, uh, the, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Now, this word glory is hard for me, it's always been hard for me to explain because it's, it's like you want to explain the word glory by using the word glory, right? Because it's a, it's a word that we don't use a whole lot. But to speak of the glory of God is to speak of His bigness and His greatness and His awesomeness and His otherness. Um, and, and it's to speak of a God who, who is so uh, amazing that words don't actually come close to describing Him. So every word in the human language that could describe God would still fall short of His glory. But the Bible says that God gave us something 
that doesn't need words, something that was beyond human language. And the beauty of this is that it transcends languages and it transcends cultures. And so you can be an African or you can be a, Sudanese, uh, 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 Samoan or you can be a, a Chinese man or you can be a, uh, that wasn't even a word, sorry. You can be a whatever man you want to be and, and, and no matter where you're from, no matter what corner of the earth you are, you have before you evidence that all of this that we have is not just some cosmic explosion out of nothing from nothing, but it was by a grand, intelligent designer. By one who says, let there be. And so I want to take you for the next 30 minutes or so on a journey through time and space. <laughs> right? But let's start with the heavens. The heavens are the thing, not just the skies, but it's, it's the universe. It's the, it's the things that we can't see. And, and it amazes me how the heavens are so vast and how the heavens are, are so bottomless. You just saw what, what this video showed, and that's not even all of it. It didn't even get to the specifics of what, what it showed there. It was just a, a three-minute blurb. But I hope you, you saw that and went, wow, I didn't know it was so big. But do you know that, that every single morning, the sun rises in the same exact spot it has the day before? You know, every single day, the sun moves at the correct speed to where it covers the earth. And through the sun, we have warmth. And through the sun, we have light. And through the sun, we have all kinds of other really cool things in life. And do you know that each night as the sun goes to bed, the Bible tells us that the stars are hung in their place by God Himself. And do you know that for hundreds and hundreds into the thousands of years, stars have been used to navigate across the globe? So without any compass, without any GPS, without any iPhone, you can get from point A to point B if you simply know where the stars live. Because the stars are in the same spot in the universe every single day, exactly the right place. And do you know that those stars are much, much larger than they appear to the human eye? In fact, they're larger than the earth itself. And yet, we feel like the center of the earth, right? Do you know that these stars and the moon, all of them work together in a solar system, and we, the earth, are just one part of that solar system? And you know that the earth is on an axis at 23.5 degrees. It's just enough not to freeze to death, and it's just enough not to burn to death. And you know that the rotation of this earth along the axis at exactly 23.5 degrees at the equator is about 1,000 miles per hour. And yet, I don't even feel dizzy. Do you? And do you know that the earth as it rotates... It perfectly gives us seasons. Well, not us in Florida, but the rest of the world, right? But the rotation gives us seasons. The rotation gives us changes in temperatures. The rotation gives us all kinds of things. And you know that this universe, not just the earth, or solar system, not just the earth, but you have Mars and Uranus and all these other planets are circling around the moon or the sun at just the right speed and at just the right way. Exactly the same day after day after day after day. And you know that if any of them are off, the whole system gets thrown out of whack. 
The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The, the skies proclaim His handiwork, the work of His hands. We have this massive universe that, that we never could see until we had the most, most intricate of, uh, of, of, of systems to be able to look far beyond what the eye could ever see before. And then we have just what the eye can see through sunrises and sunsets. I was actually thumbing through my pictures and I was going to show you some sunrises and some different pictures of nature that I've taken. Then I realized that you would think it was really just showing all of the times we went fishing because that's pretty much the only time I take pictures of nature, either when we're fishing or when we're hunting. But what I'm amazed at is, you know, I, I, I don't often say, ooh, let's take a picture of the kids. I say, ooh, let's take a picture of the sky. Oh, kids, you get in there too. It's just, you know, that's not really totally true, but I find myself wondering because every picture has this sky background behind it. But have you, have you taken a moment lately and seen the beauty of the sky? By the way, there's an old saying, red at night, yellow in the morning, so you know what that means? God designed the whole universe so that we could fish. Just saying. Just saying. That's what the Bible says, right? <laughs> Not really. So you have, this, you have this sky that declares the handiwork of God. But it's not just the sunrise, but it's also in the, the small things. Have you ever looked at a blade of grass? Have you ever just stared at a blade of grass and noticed how simple, simple and yet complex it actually is? Have you ever looked at an animal, say a, a turtle? And have you ever noticed that the shell of a turtle has octagonal shapes on his back? And the size that they are, based on where they are, will determine how old that turtle is. And have you ever looked at a zebra, how they have stripes and they're specifically uh, 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 placed, black and white, black and white, not only as a covering, but also as a grand design from God. And here's what I mean. The turtle, the zebra, if you cut a tree and you slice it right down, uh, uh, do a cross cut, and you look, you'll have rings. All of these things are mathematical. So if you take mathematics and you learn that mathematics is simply formulas and patterns, and you place them on top of everything in nature, what you will find is that all of nature is built on order and pattern and mathematics. Now you tell me something. How is it possible that out of nothing, total darkness, blackness, negative anything, these gases just went boom! And created pattern and order and beauty and specificity and uniformity and all of these other things. Is that possible? See, you're going to hear people say, if you go to college, that there is no God, but rather everything is by chance. You're going to have scientific explanations that are long and that are confusing. And, and they're going to make sense because you can't make sense of them. Because the only people that can understand it are the ones with big words and they, they wrap around in a circle and they all get back to the same spot. We can't explain some things, but there must not be a God. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalms, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And I would have to say that it would be very foolish to think that all that we see is by sheer accident and coincidence. 
As we look at the scripture, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, verse 2, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. The Bible tells us that God is revealing himself through nature. Theirs, they have no speech, they have no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all of the earth and their words to the end of the world. So theologians call this general revelation. God has revealed himself to humans, to mankind, in two different categories. Now these are our categories that we, we have tried to, to understand the way God has done this. But the first category is called general revelation. The second category is called special revelation. Now these two categories of revelation are basically, the, it basically covers every way that God has ever and will ever reveal himself. General revelation are the basics about God, essentially saying there is a God. And this is what he is like. So we can know much about God simply by the revelation that is general. And so general revelation, there are actually three ways that God does this, okay? The first way is through nature, by looking at the skies, by, by watching the waves. Have you ever considered how amazing it is just to sit on the beach and watch the waves roll in? Have you ever, have you ever noticed how there's so much pattern to it? There, how, how there's so much tranquility to it, how much, how much uh, as it comes in and it goes out and it just, it, it, it's like this giant perfectly oiled machine. You ever, you ever thought about that and wondered about that? And how a, a ripple on the water just kind of moves, but the water itself doesn't move, but the, the energy, the motion of it moves, you know what I'm talking about? You ever thought about that? That's part of general revelation. So general revelation in the first, first part is, is through nature. All things nature. The second part of general revelation is through history. The things of history. We can look at, uh, at things historically and say, wow, God has revealed himself or is revealing things about himself through historical events. The most notable is the history of the nation of Israel. Now, you may or may not have looked at this much, but I want to tell you, there is no reason that Israel should be a nation. They should have been extinct a thousand years ago and a hundred years ago. Why? There's no other people on earth who have had more enemies and more uh, attacks and, and intentional efforts of extinction than the Jewish people. And the Jewish people are the people who have been displaced from their land more than any other group of people in the whole world. And they're the only people in the whole world who have been displaced and yet have not just melted in the cultures but have come back as their own unique identity. It is amazing if you study the history of Israel that they're actually in existence today. Not only that, but it's amazing to consider that Israel is where God said, I am going to place my name there. It's where God has said, I will place my name, and this will be the center of all that I do. Now, here's a really cool thing. If you look at, uh, well, if, if, you take, if, if you look at God's name, right? So God said, I will place my name in Jerusalem. 
You say, okay, well, what's God's name? Well, God has many names that he's given himself, but one of his names, one of the most prominent names or prevalent names is El Shaddai. The word or the name El Shaddai means what? God Almighty. Almighty God, right? And so if we look at the Hebrew of El Shaddai, the first letter of Shaddai is the sheen, and it looks like this. That's the sheen, okay? And so... If you then take the city of Jerusalem and you trace the city and you look at the valleys, you have the, Gino, the, the Hinnon Valley and you have the Kidron Valley and you have the Central Valley, and then you, and, and you look at it on a map, show me here, you have this. See the three valleys for the city? Does that look familiar to you? It's the Sheen. It's the beginning letter of the name that God gave himself. I am God Almighty. You remember several weeks ago I said, I saw something today that I've never seen before. It's amazing. This was it. I've been dying to share it with you. Here's the cool thing. Some might go, oh, that's coincidence. Okay. But it's a pretty dang cool coincidence, wouldn't you agree? Especially when God says, I will place my name in that city. And then when you look at the fact that the Jews have gone through extermination attempt after extermination attempt after extermination attempt, and yet still today they are a strong people. Why? Because God's Word tells us the rest of the story that He says, You are my chosen people and you will never disappear. He doesn't use those words, but that's essentially what He says. I uh, was researching a little bit about the devastation of the Israelites, of the Jews, over the, history, over the centuries, and I was watching a little video about the Mangala twins. You ever heard of this? The Mangala twins. There's a, a doctor, famous doctor, famous Nazi doctor called Dr. Mangala. And his specialty was um, experiments, human experiments. He liked to experiment on children, particularly, because they were, they were younger and they had, uh, you know, a purer bodies, I guess you could say. And when he, when, when he uh, was given these two twins, he was very excited because two twins have the same DNA and so he could do experiments on both of them and see how they react compared to each other. Well, the interview I was watching was of one of the Mangala twins. Of course, she says, I didn't know I was a Mangala twin until after the fact they said this was Dr. Mangala. She said, they took me and my family out of our home and they put us on the train and they brought us to Auschwitz. And when we got off the train... They immediately ripped my brothers and my father away from us. And so my mother and my sister and myself were left by ourselves. That was the last I ever saw my brothers and my father. And then the soldier came up and said to my mother, Are these twins? And she said, Is that a good thing? And the, mother, and the, the, the Nazi soldier said, Yes, it is. And so the mother said, Well, yes, they're twins. Of course, they were twins. But she was wanting to know, was that going to help or hurt? She was thinking this was good. It will help them. But it didn't quite work out that way because that was the last day that she ever saw her mother. They ripped her from her children and took her away. These two little girls were then brought to Dr. Mengele as, a human, uh, as human experiments or as human uh, subjects for experiments. They injected them with all kinds of poisons and with all kinds of diseases only to watch what will these things do to these children. At one particular point, this, this woman who was given the, her testimony, she said, I was given such a, a vile dose of something, I still don't know what it was, that I was sent to the barracks to die. Dr. Mengele came in and said, she won't live two weeks. I'm done with her. Well, 
she did live two weeks. Meanwhile, her sister was kept to have other experiments done on her. She actually did live and then came back and lived to tell the story. And as I'm listening to this woman talk, I'm thinking to myself, how could any human being be so evil? Not only that, not just to a person, but to a nation. And it, and it, and it, and it was just real to me that this is the history of Israel. Brutality, gross uh, 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 abuse, and yet today, they're a strong nation. God has revealed Himself through nature. God has revealed Himself generally through history, specifically the people of Israel. And He's also revealed Himself through humans, through humanity. And this is where we look at it and we say, how is it possible that you came from an ape. Now, have you considered how specific your body is and how useful it is? You know, we have thumbs. Other animals don't have thumbs, right? We're very unique in this. Do you realize without a thumb, you have half a thumb, right? It's hard. Did, did it take you a while? Right? Thumbs up, right? I'm sorry, that was, we joke about that, you have to understand, Phil. But without a thumb, is it hard, was it hard to get used to, to doing stuff initially? You can't hold a 32-ounce drink. Phil had an accident with a, he, he got in a fight with a saw and the saw won. Wasn't that a saw? Yeah. So, so we have thumbs. Just the simple fact that we have thumbs make us wildly unique. But tell me something. How is it possible that out of nowhere, just, just we evolved to go, you know what, we can't hold a 32-ounce drink, so we need thumbs, <laughs> right? Is that possible? It's not even rational to think that. But what about this? I heard this, and I'm, I, I haven't had a, had a chance to verify it, so, so just take it as this is hearsay, okay? I heard that you, yeah, I, so, you don't have a thumb, and you're missing a pinky. Great. Put you together, and you might be able to help each other. <laughs> Without a thumb, you can't really grip. You can't grip a hammer. I mean, you can, you can swing a hammer, but think of how flimsy and, 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 and wild that hammer's going to be. Hold on to something. Try this at home. Hold on to something without your pinky. I'm trying to... Here you go. Hold on to without your pinky... And then hold on to it with it. Your grip with a thumb is far, far superior. How do, we get, how do we get pinkies? How do we get thumbs? By the design of God. What about the eyeball? You saw how the eyeball has so many different unique parts to it. And you saw how we have DNA and you saw how, how we've got protons and neutrons and all those things. And scientists will tell you that all of that happened because, well, it just happened. And I would argue that no, it didn't just happen, but there was a designer. Let me give you evidence, just very basic subjective evidence, but evidence. Is there anybody in this room that when you walked into the room, you looked around and you said, wow, there was a cosmic explosion? And we now have Christmas decorations. Amazing. Anybody do that? No? 
How about going into an art store, walking through an art gallery and going, you know, I am just blown away that last night in the darkness of dark, this, this paint just jumped out of the cans and splattered on the wall as a, as a picture. I am I'm mesmerized at the coincidence. No. In fact, I, I dare you to find anything in life, anything in life that was human created and, and, and try to argue that it was not human created. You wake up and you go into your, into your living into your kitchen, you go, would you look at that? Last night, spontaneously, I have a coffee pot. Praise God. Okay, not praise God. Praise it, right? I mean, we couldn't praise God because we'd be, right? So, I mean, no, of course not. You go, well, somebody created a coffee pot. Because it used to be that they had coffee and they had to do Everything in life is created. So why wouldn't the most intricate things in life be created? So here's the thing. You might be saying to me at this point, yeah, 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 but... Why are you trying to convince me there is a God? Here's why. Because what you're going to hear from the media and from um, loud voices on the internet, through, through YouTube, you're going to hear people questioning whether or not there is a God and whether or not you can believe Him. Because you're going to hear theories and you're going to hear slivers of information and on their own you're going to go, wow, that sounds pretty convincing. And it may not cause you to believe that, it may not cause you to stop believing there's a God. It may just cause you to stop believing in the power of who He is, and in the bigness of who He is, and in the mightiness of who He is. Remember, He's El Shaddai, God Almighty. And He is, he is if anything, greater than we could possibly imagine. And so for us to give Him less, des, uh, less glory than He deserves is for us to shrink God into someone He is not. And so we watch these things and we go, well, that's awful convincing. But let me, let me caution you here. Usually when we have these, and I like to call them rabbit holes. We go down these rabbit holes of questioning things. And we go, well, gosh, that sounds so convincing. He sounds so smart. And he's got a big degree behind his name. He's talking about one specific area. And we're forgetting about the universe. We're forgetting about the human eye. We're forgetting about the thumb. We're forgetting about intelligence. We're forgetting about all the rest of what God has created. And we're letting this one single piece of evidence go, ooh, I'm just, I'm just not so sure I can believe what I believe anymore. Can I suggest to you that we should never believe anything based on one single piece of evidence when it comes to God? We should look at the whole picture. Maybe, maybe that was a little strong, but I think I believe that. We should at least step back and go, okay, let's look at the whole. I can't fill in all of the gaps, but I can say that I know enough about what I see to say there's no way this was by accident. But let me give you some physical laws. By the way, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that God created these things so that we could know who He is. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities. You see that? His invisible qualities. He, God says, I want to show you my invisible qualities. The qualities are too big for you to comprehend. His eternal power. Eternal power. That fits into El Shaddai, doesn't it? And His divine nature. They have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been what? Made so that people are without 
excuse. We have a God who, through general revelation, has said, this is who I am. And if you have nothing else, you'll at least know that I exist, that I am God Almighty. Let me give you what I think is the strongest evidence for the existence of God. It comes in two laws that are, are coupled together. The first law is the law of thermodynamics. The second law is the second law of thermodynamics, right? So the first law of thermodynamics says what? In layman's terms, energy cannot be created or destroyed. How many of y'all knew that? That's taking you way back, right? The young people knew that. The older, older of us go, wait a minute. I, I know I learned that somewhere, right? Here's what, it, here's what that means. Energy can't be created, and it can't be destroyed. It can only be changed, and, and, and it, can only, it can only move from one space to another, if you, wish, if you will. Uh, a car engine is an example of energy, of, of Newton's first law, right? Uh, the first law being energy isn't created or destroyed. It's just that gas is put into a, into a, a, a cylinder, and there's an explosion in that cylinder, and it pushes with force the, the, uh, the piston up, creating the crank, moving the crankshaft, which then turns um, all the way down into the, the, the transfer case and the transmission, which goes to the wheels. And so that's power, right? That's energy being demonstrated through the moving of your vehicle. But what's happening, though, is only about 10% of that energy is actually going to move your vehicle. The rest of it is just being blown away through gas or through heat, right? So you have the same amount of energy in the vehicle, and it wasn't created. It was just moved from gasoline and fire, right? It, all, it just changed forms, and then in that explosion inside the energy or inside the, of, of, of the engine, that energy then was just being dispersed in different forms, right? Here's why this is important. We've demonstrated, I say we, scientists have long known that energy not, is not created or destroyed, and yet we have this universe that is basically a giant ball of energy. So where did it come from? You see the problem? So if it's not created or destroyed, it says that, well, it must have always been, but that can't be the case because of Newton's second law. And the second law is this. Um, dang, I just, my brain just took a vacation. Hang on. Yes. Say that again, son. Yes. Everything leads towards chaos. That's why you're in here. Thank you. Everything leads towards chaos. Okay, Newton's first law. Energy is not created or destroyed. Second law. Every, everything tends towards chaos and not order. So here's what we have. We have this orderly system that scientists will agree that it's a finite system. It's a closed system. And because it's a closed system, it's constantly becoming disorderly because of Newton's second law. Follow me here. I promise this will make sense. I think. Promise. Think. So... The, the problem for scientists is this. How can we have the existence of energy that wasn't created 
And yet, the, the earth and the universe says that it's a closed system and things are tending towards disorder. And therefore, uh, uh, it, it, and because it's going into disorder, it's actually demonstrating that it's finite. Where did it start? It, it, it essentially is the question of the chicken or the egg. Which came first, by the way? Chicken came first? Is that a theological question? Is that a theological answer? I think you're probably right. God created the chicken, then he gave the egg. So here's the deal. How do we explain the origin of the universe if energy can't be created or destroyed, and yet energy also... Uh, is continuing to expand into disorder. Here's how we explain it. At some point, there was a big bang. At some point, there was a first cause. This is a problem, because then we have to explain the first cause. But guess what? Since everything tends towards disorder, the first cause would have been disorderly, not orderly. Does that make sense? Go back to the Big Bang. I think there was a Big Bang. I think God said when there was nothing, let there be light. Boom! And there was light. Light in energy like you would not ever believe. And out of nothing came this incredible force of energy that God said, I am starting my universe. Or I am starting this. I don't know what he would have said. He said, let there be light. There was light, right? That's all we know. And then out of that light, he began to order things. Separate the land from the water, the mountains, the, the valleys. Separate the, 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 the skies and, and, and the moons and all that. And then the animals and the fishes and the birds and all those kinds of things. And so what we have in Genesis 1 is this ordering of the, the beginning of time. But all of it started out of nothing. And out of nothing was started because the eternal, infinite God said, Let there be light. So why, why are Newton's laws so, so impressive? Well, here's why. Have you ever walked into your kitchen the next morning after a meal and said, Would you look at that? The kitchen just cleaned itself. Has that ever happened? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Have you, ever, have you ever bought a house and 10 years later go, would you look at that? It looks better now than, than when I bought it. No? What do you have to do with the house that you buy? You, you got to paint it. You got to fix plumbing. You got to fix electrical. You got to replace carpet. Why? Because we have kids. But beyond that, because everything in life deteriorates, breaks, moves towards chaos and disorder. It's nonsensical to believe that disorder brought order. It's ridiculous to believe that mass confusion created specificity in intri intricate systems that we have today. It doesn't make sense. What does make sense is
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nation have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. I want to say to you today that everything in nature, everything points to the handiwork of God. Everything. I don't know if I said this or I think I did, but everything is so precise that, that even mathematics plays into it. Why should you study math, little children? Because math is life. Amen? That my daughter loves math. I'm dead serious. I never knew this. I wish I knew this when I was a teenager. I would have paid a lot more attention. There's so much, there's so much order. So what are you going to do with this? Here's what I want you to do with this. I'm asking you to go against the flow. You see, it's my opinion, just my opinion, but I think I'm right, that one of the worst things that could possibly happen to us is modernization. Don't get me wrong. I love the air conditioner, and I love watching football on Sunday afternoon, and I love sitting inside of a house with closed windows, and I love being able to jump in the car and drive 20 minutes and, and, and get somewhere that's 30, you know, uh, 15 miles away. I love to be able to jump in an airplane and go across the world. I love these things. I'm not suggesting we go back to outhouses. I'm just saying the downside of that is that we've lost the awe and the wonder of what God has created. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to step away from modernity for periods of time in your week. Step away from your phone, from your TV, from your house. Go to a place where there's nothing artificial, where only what God made is there. And begin to, to look in awe at what He's made. As simple as a blade of grass. Get down in your front yard and just stare at the dirt. It will make your neighbors wondering, interested. Actually, it might, act, it might actually open up a conversation for the gospel. Seriously. I don't suggest being dumb. I'm just saying... <laughs> go out to your backyard and stare at a tree. You used to do it when you were a kid because your dad told you to go put your nose in a corner. But now you just do it because you want to. Stare at, stare at a tree and just, just, just examine it. Just look at it. You want to know why? Because the fingerprints of God are everywhere. And we don't see them. Because we're distracted by all the digital. By all the artificial. Go out on a boat. Don't turn on the music. Just go out and just sit there and listen to the seagulls. Feel the rocking of the waves. Ooh and awe at the blue angels. Okay, that's, but still. Go out and sit on the dock and watch, watch the sun go to sleep. And, and try to take pictures in your mind of every single second. And just think to yourself, that's my God. I'll never forget, I had taken a group of people, I can't remember, I think it was Shannon and some other folks, we went to the beach to watch the fireworks at Portofino. And so we kind of sat in the dunes and watched, you know, the beach was this way, we were watching the, 
the fireworks, and it was pretty spectacular. You know, 10 minutes of, of fireworks, red, blue, green, and then the finale. It was just, it was awesome. And we were all like, yay, it was great. And then we heard this rumble of thunder. We're like, uh-oh, we better get out of here. We turned around, and over the ocean, it was as if God was saying, wait till you see what I can do with just one color. And we stood there, and we watched this lightning show moving across the gulf, and, and literally, I was in chills because of the, 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 the splendor and the majesty of that. Just, and, and you know, just, it just ran across the sky. And I'm thinking to myself, you got nothing. Oh, my God. You got nothing. Oh, my God. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. When you put your children to sleep tonight, if you have little children, see the fingerprint of God on them. When I, was a, when I was a young dad, I used to hold my children like this. And I, I would just let them breathe on me. Because at that time, it wasn't funky, right? <laughs> I, I, would just, I would let them breathe on me. And something about the breath of my child, the innocence, just reminded me of how great our God is. Will you do that? Here's another one. Next time it rains, go out and play in the rain. Enjoy it. Enjoy God's handiwork. Put the other stuff aside for just a little bit. Father in heaven, I pray that you would fill us with awe and wonder at who you are. I pray that you will have built our faith, that you will have encouraged us today. And we only scratch the surface at how, how vast and how magnificent are your ways, the works of your hands. Oh God, you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of all songs. You are worthy of all prayers. And God, that you would step out of heaven and you would know us, even how we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. That you would know our thoughts from afar. You would know when we rise. You would know when we lay down at night. You would know our fears. You would know our hopes. You would know our dreams. God, you would know even our sin. And God, that you would send your son Jesus to pay a price on a cross so that our sin could be forgiven. Oh God, I pray that this day... It would be a line in the sand. It would be a, a mark in our life that we would say, I'm not going to miss the fingerprints of God for the heavens declare His glory. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. Lord, this is my prayer today for my, for my life and for your people's life. I ask in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ, can I invite you to do that? The Bible says that if you will come to Him, He will not cast you away. It's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works. The Bible says that your sin condemns you. It separates you from God. 
even though He loves you, it is not enough to just do good, to try to, to have a relationship with God, because you can never be good enough. The Bible says that all of your righteous acts are like filthy rags. But God in His infinite mercy and His infinite love has lavished upon you His love through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died on the cross, He was taking away the penalty for your sin so that by faith, if you will trust in Him, you'll not only be forgiven, but you'll be brought into God's family. It's a wonderful promise. Will you stand and let's sing? If you need to trust Christ, will you do that now? There's another thing that God has spoken to you about.